Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> these dates are dangerous for the recording. <laughs> Dude, these dates were delicious. <laughs> yeah. So good. Man, we got a special show for y'all and a very nice treat if you've been uh, watching a few of our, or not watching, listening to a few of our shows before. You know this is Cooking with Crypto. Yeah. And you know we start off every episode with uh, a chef tip, usually from our master chef, Rob. Although... A few others may be coming down the pipeline. That's right. You guys, you guys are working on a few. Marshall's throwing up a recipe. You've got your your smoothie recipes on the website, so <laughs> we're looking for it. We're we're down one uh, one character this evening. Marshall was unable to join us, but we're gonna get get going. This is Rob, and that was Spencer in, in introducing us. Uh, welcome back, Cyber Chefs. Um, today, so let's go ahead and get right into it. We're gonna do kind of a condensed version um, of our show. And our kind of sticking with that that timeline and that idea, we're gonna do a very short, simple, and amazing recipe um, for today's cooking section, and that is uh, bacon wrapped dates. Mm. These things are fantastic. They're easy. They're great for parties. They're great if you've got to bring a dish to the party. Oh yeah. They combine a nice. They combine a great like sweet and salty flavor together, and it's. It's just delicious as a whole. So all you need is you need bacon, really your favorite type of bacon. Um, bacon's on sale these days, so. Locally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least in, 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 in Atlanta, it was, it was like $5 for a pound. It was pretty, uh, pretty legit. Um, then you'll need, you'll need dates, uh, preferably pitted. The, the pitted dates will It'll be easier, um, easier to actually uh, do the prep work. Yeah, do the prep work, right? Um, well, oftentimes, I've gotten the the, the non pitted dates and had to pit them myself, and it just it just adds time to the whole thing. You get them pitted, and you're shaving down your prep time by mm, probably about 10, 10, 15 minutes at least, just pitting all the dates. So anyway, uh, bacon dates, and I I fill the dates with almonds. Yeah, now that was a interesting surprise. Yeah. Now you can you can swap out the almond recipe for uh, your favorite type of either blue cheese or gorgonzola, which will also be fantastic in these things. So that's a that's a good alternative. So basically, set your oven 425. Uh, let that start heating up. Take your dates, fill them with at least one one almond a piece. If you've got uh, bigger dates, go ahead and fill those up with two. Uh, two almonds won't it won't change uh, change the bite. It'll just kind of add a little bit more filling in there, right? <laughs> then all you're gonna do is take uh, take take the bacon, and I like my my dates to have an extra extra you know amount of bacon on them. So I normally have my bacon pieces. Yeah. If you're if you're Call being that the double wrap. Yeah, the double wrap. If you're being a little stingy and you want to make your bacon stretch, or if you know we're in a bacon crisis again, where <laughs> bacon's more expensive per pound, go ahead and third that, and uh, and then you don't quite get that full double wrap uh, experience with the bacon. We experienced a little issue trying to do bacon that was a little too short. Yeah. And it, in the cooking cycle, it, it kind of like... Yeah, we miscounted and stuffed too many dates and, and, and needed to needed to stretch the last bit of bacon out. So we turned a, a half of a bacon into a quarter. So that <laughs> that kind of shortchanged a few of these guys. But, no yeah. Matter. Take uh, take that, stick it on a, on a cookie sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I usually uh, put put down uh, tin, uh, I'm sorry, aluminum foil uh, to make the cleanup a lot easier on the cookie sheet. Wrap your wrap your bacon um, around the the filled date. Stick it on the stick them all on the sheet. There's no need. What's great about the double wrap technique is there's no need for um, for any kind of toothpicks. A lot of people will use toothpicks to try to hold the bacon on there. Mm -hmm. Not necessary to use a bit more uh, bit more bacon. Throw that in the oven uh, nine to ten minutes on each side at 425. Bam, you're done. Flip it, uh, flip it halfway through. So 18 to 20 minutes total. You got a, a perfect snack or breakfast or even just a, a little accessory for a party. Short, simple, sweet. Yeah, it was it was really easy. I helped you with some of the prep. Yep. Um, you know, putting the almonds inside the dates wasn't any trouble. I can imagine stuffing cheese into it wouldn't be much trouble as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, very nice treat, man. This uh, it's really good. Yeah. Really good. Thanks for sharing it. No problem. All right, so I'm, I guess that takes us to we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be eating them like yeah throughout the show. So yeah, kind of grab grab a snack as we go. <laughs> so the. The topic we want to cover today is really a, a Trace Mayer um, driven topic, and we've mentioned we've mentioned Trace in a lot of our previous episodes. And if you haven't had a chance to look him up, definitely look up Trace Mayer, look up Tone Vase, and look up uh, Andreas Antonopoulos. Yep. Those are at least our, our three starting points for you guys to to, to start at, and. And that's if you really want to dive deeper. Like, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to give you some good surface level, you know, maybe, you know, five, ten feet deep. But these guys, th this is their living. And uh, so, you know, we, we just created this to make a little fun side project. Uh, yep. Some friends getting together and talking about crypto and then sharing some of our findings with, uh, with the general public. So uh, that's why we're here. So if we can point you in the right direction, if you're hungry to learn more. Um, yeah. Or if you're just hungry in general. Or if you're just hungry. <laughs> yeah. We got you there too. We got you there too. So yeah, um, so I, I've actually been kind of digging into some of Trace's uh, work and some of his videos and his writings uh, this past week. And you know, I'm, I'm kind of mad I didn't get into it earlier because um, you know, he's got a really good organized thought process around mm -hmm. this thing that we're going to cover today and introduce you to, which is the seven network effects of Bitcoin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not necessarily anything at this time, like, you know, I'm six months into diving deep uh, on this on this topics. So it wasn't anything that hadn't really heard before, but it's really good base level knowledge of understanding why this why Bitcoin may prove to continue to outpace the rest of the market, or at least it's an argument for it. Mm -hmm. So there's yeah, certainly yeah. arguments against it. And why it will continue to grow. The network effect is, and just to kind of define it for our listeners that may not be familiar with it, network effect is, is a common term used in business, and it's a phenomenon that you see when um, there's a, 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 a drastic increase in numbers of people or participant in, um, uh, involved in either a product or a, an initiative or a technology. And all, all that does is it, it compounds the value of the yeah. good or service and actually um, it drives uh, 
drives creation of new and better use cases for that that good or service. Oh yeah, and we you know we're thirty. We're uh, we're both products of kind of the internet age, and we saw life before the internet. We also saw life. Yep. Like in the very early beginnings of the internet, or you know the early user-driven uh, times of the internet. And That's then, right. And now we're here, you know, talking about Bitcoin. So we we definitely experienced several network effects. Like you know, some of these examples might be, uh, you know, like a Facebook. Any social network, right, might be a uh, a good example of a network effect. A network effect, which mean which as Rob said, and as more and more users come to the network, right, and use it and operate on it, it then, as you said, it drives the value. It, it optimizes value. Its, it optimizes itself, it it expands, it becomes opens more opens new yeah, opportunities. Exactly. Yeah, all and, of things. And so you want you want to kinda of go through the, the list that that Trace Trace talks about. So his yeah, give, give him a high level of what his seven, or maybe yeah. what the first six points are, and we'll leave the seven to the end. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So the first six, and, and we'll go kind of go through these individually, and I think that's going to be really the, the main body of our show today. Yep. Um, the first one is, is uh, the first network effect, according to Trace, is speculators. And you guys can, we'll, we'll put a, a link to his YouTube video where he explains this um, in yeah. there, and we're just going to have a general conversation about it. But number one is speculators. Uh, number two is merchants. The third um, third effect is consumers. Fourth, miners. Five, software developers, and then six, financiers. And we'll leave the seven to the end. But those first those first six again, these are specific network effects for Bitcoin or even even cryptocurrencies in general, right? As that. As that entire space grows, because he he references the internet as one of the examples, right? And sure. In the internet, there's only there's only one internet, at least nowadays. There were initially several concepts of internets, but then out of that, you had different different companies come about. And I guess another example would be automobiles, mm-hmm. right? And automobiles, there's more than just one automobile. There's there's several different manufacturers. I think when you can take those two examples and you plug them into cryptocurrencies. You'll see there there may there may in fact be five to you know five to ten major players that come out of this whole development, and that's that's typical of a of a you know a world changing yeah uh, in, invention. So speculators is the first one. You want to go cover speculators? Yeah. So I think speculators. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's just that's people who are looking at. Bitcoin is kind of an investment opportunity. Right? Yeah, a quick a quick buck. They want to trade it. They want to become could, involved. Or it could even be like a long term hold. Like it could be a quick buck from the trading perspective, or it could be a you know I want to you know feed a little bit of my yeah. you know a percentage of my income into this long term because that's I, right. I think it could be uh, something beneficial, like they're, from an IRA perspective. Yeah, they're looking to get in to grow their to grow their value base. Yeah, and kind of like let your money work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's more and more the ways to get ahead, right? Uh, you know, you, you're gonna if you're working for someone, you're not an entrepreneur. You're not your own, you know, owner, or you're not like some VP of something big. You know, you're pretty much gonna be on a fixed salary until you kind of move up the ranks, right? Yeah. So 
how do you create ways to um, you know launch yourself to the next tiers, right? As yeah. far as like your financial wealth and your stability. So Trace himself, Andreas, Tone, all of those guys would be considered speculators, right? They were early adopters. Early speculators. Definitely tone. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely yeah, tone. Definitely tone. Yeah, tone is. I mean, he he believes in Bitcoin and the and the protocol as well as the you know the use case for Bitcoin. But he's very uh, he's a Bitcoin maximalist for sure. Yeah, and he does a lot of technical analysis, right? So. Actually, so are all three of them really. Well, I, I'm not I'm not too sure on Trace, but yeah. I know Andreas is as well. Sure. Well, I I know Andreas. Not Andreas just likes decentralized, trustless networks, and Bitcoin happens to fill those shoes. He's also interested in the Ethereum project and okay how that's growing. And fair, that's that's he wrote about it in his last book. You're so. right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. But they are very pro Bitcoin. Absolutely, yeah. you're right. They're they're very pro Bitcoin. So then, cool. so that's speculators. Right? Yeah, so speculators. So number two would be merchants, and that would be just as it sounds. Merchants beginning to accept uh, accept Bitcoin because of its um, because of its its value, its use case, and its its the number of speculators, number of uh, at least investors that are getting into it. Mm-hmm. So, merchants see money is being spent, right? Money is being invested into something. They want to have a revenue stream mm-hmm. from that money, and so they allow their merchandise to be purchased with that you know that avenue that conduit yeah which is bitcoin and uh or crypto and the things that are allowing that to happen are these payment processors you know uh, mm-hmm. bitpay is one of these payment processors uh where you know if you you know register with bitpay to accept payments they can take some credit card payment i believe and they also take bitcoin and yeah. maybe a few other cryptocurrencies i'm not quite sure or if you're or if you're uh, what, what bitpay also offers is if you're just you have a uh, you know good services you're a merchant and you sell some sort of uh, goods or service they will help you get set up to enable you to allow bitcoin transactions to be converted they basically will com- convert it for you as a third party they'll take their cut but you'll be able to accept yeah, Bitcoin on the surface level from your from your consumers and customers. Yeah, and these and these merchants are uh, you know they're na- they're kind of when we're talking about these network effects, we're also you know we covered it a little bit earlier on the show like what it means, but each one that we're covering, we want to kind of reinforce uh, that this is a disruption that's happening right mm-hmm. in each one of these layers. Like for the speculators, this is a whole new market. You know, five hundred billion dollars. That is a disrupting force on the speculation side. When you have merchants, right, and these payment processors, I don't have the data on how much they're transacting right now, but I can tell you it's a lot, right? And BitPay is not the only one. There's several other players in the market that are big. I'm sure there's several more that are up and comers. And then you have these web platforms like Shopify, who also started to take Overstock, Overstock.com. Overstock has taken, so you're seeing these these kind of online businesses becoming merchants, you know, selling goods and services for Bitcoin and crypto. And Overstock is taking a a beating, absolute beating in the marketplace because (laughs) because of this and because of their involvement in cryptocurrencies and because that whole market has been on a down, a downturn the last couple of months. But I almost guarantee that when this market turns up, 
and and it, it, it begins to reverse, which we feel that this is this is the time. Overstock will be just fine. Yeah. As long as the SEC doesn't come cracking their heads for their ICO. Hey, I bet they're I bet they're doing their due diligence. A company that that's true that big and that legitimate would. I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so too. It's a lot of risk otherwise. So yeah. three. Yeah. So number so that wraps up uh, merchants. Yep. So consumers number three. Uh, so consumers like these are uh, basically people, even like ordinary people, right? Yeah. Uh, or me and you. I, I actually, you know, right now I'm kind of in a speculator mode where I'm kind of buying and I'm holding, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not really... You haven't made any purchases with it. I'm not doing a ton of purchases right now. I, I've transferred some back and forth between friends. Yeah. Uh, but I... So this is a minor... This is this seems to be more of a minority at this point. Yeah. We haven't really seen this network effect really take shape where consumers, people with yeah. money in their pockets actually go out and start... You know, buying a ton of things with crypto. Yeah, but oh. this is this is good. Consumers, consumers are, are are the consumer network effect occurs because because merchants begin to accept it. They kind of enable each other, right? Exactly. So the more so you get investors first, then you get these merchants that come along and say, "Hey, I want a piece of this revenue stream," and then consumers because it's readily available and easy to purchase their goods, or they get some sort of discount, which you see from. Uh, purse.io or something like that mm-hmm. um, where you get a discount on, on purchasing goods use, using Bitcoin mm-hmm. they'll start to utilize it and you know that like you said that network effect is starting to take shape yeah. but really hasn't quite gotten there I think it, it also has to do with the current in, you know, instability of Bitcoin I, this this reminds me of, of something I was listening to it the other day, and it was a, uh, I think it was actually Trace Mayer interviewing a guy from who was uh, a CEO of an exchange in, I believe it was Venezuela or mm-hmm. uh, some South American country. Uh, I, I maybe get it wrong, but uh, he he was talking about how uh, it would have people 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 in that country, mm-hmm. right? They they already kind of are consumers, like. In, in America, we're not really seeing it as much, or at least I'm not seeing it with you and me and Accurate, our, our very network. True. Mm-hmm. But like in a country where the peso or where the you know it's the a government backed, yeah, with the the government backed fiat currency, people are consuming it. People are buying services. People are paying each other in it and actually transacting. Yeah. And you know this whole down this kind of like pullback recently has been really kind of detrimental and like it's. That volatility has kind of been hurting, but at the same time, it's not near the volatility that they've experienced through their own nation. That's currency. true. In our so, current, in our <laughs> currency, that volatility seems high, but in the currency, like I think it's the I think it's the Venezuelan dollar. I'll look, I'll look it up and fact check that. Mm-hmm. Um, in a country like Venezuela or Zimbabwe, who is also going through a currency crisis, there you go. Um, those two countries, that fluctuation is is minimal compared to what they've been seeing. Where you know, a barrel of cash sometimes cannot buy them their gro- their daily groceries. Yeah, so in a highly regulated environment like the U.S., where maybe we haven't seen as much merchant consumer, right? Mm-hmm. But in these, you know, other countries where yeah. they're in a lot more economic trouble as countries and um, you know, sovereignties, the, the, this is a uh, they may already be consumers yeah, <laughs> more than we think. And the flip side, the flip side of that card would be Japan, where. They are a first world country, and they are accepting uh, Bitcoin and um, Bitcoin, I believe Litecoin and Ethereum and Doge. 
Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Yeah, Dogecoin uh, on a national scale. You can go to just about any any merchant um, in, in Japan or, or several, a, a large portion of the populace and use any of those coins to purchase goods, services, or in, anything that you need. And it's uh, that that is that is leading Japan is leading the charge with that uh, that network effect. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess that brings us to four. Four would be four would be miners, um, and I think I almost like I almost think he got these out of order because the miners really we saw a massive spike in the number of miners in the last probably year eighteen months, mm-hmm. and you start to look at this thing and and yeah and as as miners as miners go, they may or may not have, have started to, to reach that that maximum potential as far as mining where the cost of mining reaps the benefits of being a miner as far as the cost of the energy are you cost. Saying, are you saying it, they haven't reached that? I don't think they've reached it yet, but I think they're... Oh, I don't know. They may be nearing that that point where... It costs too much. Where it costs too much to mine versus um, versus what your return your return is. Yeah. Like the the ROI so you return on investment. There there's some no longer profitable. Well, so I think there are other cryptocurrencies that are making mining profitable, which is why you're seeing growth in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also seeing like, well, I think maybe the point he's trying to allude to here is also from kind of a a hardware and technology industrial perspective where gosh these these ASIC miners and GPUs are flying off the shelves and they're back ordered for months right like you go to a micro center and ask for a GPU they'll laugh at you they'll point you to a website where it's like five times as much as it normally would be it's true and the and probably on top of that the power and um, the power of the technology, the processing power, we're probably looking at a, a very large breakthrough in that in that area, you know, because the the company that comes through and is able to, you know, increase the speed of their mining capacity for this, for their, uh, you know, the the video card that they use. Mm-hmm. I think it's video card. I maybe Oh, it's a graphics card. Graphics card, thank you. The yeah. graphics card that they use. If any any company is able it's to actually, come out I'm sorry, it's the graphical processing unit, the yeah. GPU. GPU. So if they're able to in- increase the the processing speed by 50%, 100% double them, any company that's able to do that is going to make a boatload of money. So there's a lot of money to be had there and if that case that happens, then the whole mining mining discussion gets revamped and we start to, to look at, okay, maybe if that price point that they're selling it at is low enough and the speed increases high enough, then you may become profitable again with mining. But Well, it's kind of like Moore's Law, right? Like, yeah. It's pacing it, it more or less with Moore's Law. And you see, I, I think you're right, because of this demand, right, for the units, mm-hmm. you know, companies that are maybe more invested in the research yeah. and, and like discovering these new types of technology you speak of that may be you know game changing and, uh, and completely disrupted to how mining is currently done. But guess what? Like everyone is maybe searching for that, and 
that kind of innovation doesn't happen like overnight, overnight. and it yeah. definitely uh, it definitely doesn't happen. But really this is a catalyst behind, behind closed doors as much as things happen. But this kind of atmosphere is the catalyst for that kind of innovation. So that's that's exciting. Totally. Yeah, and that's that's what uh, innovation drives innovation, and that is a true statement in all in all regards. And the innovation of Bitcoin is driving the innovation behind these GPU units. Another another point he was getting to with the miners was on the uh, the actual hash rate, which represents the security of the uh, of the network, right? Okay. So one of the principal reasons why Bitcoin is so secure is because its hash power is in like over twenty exahashes at this point, which is a unfathomable amount of processing power. I've heard quotations from two years ago saying it was, you know, when the hash bar was like a third of what it is right now, that it was faster than 500 of the world's top supercomputers collectively like wow. working together. So the fact that you have that much computing power spread across a globe that's all contributing to a consensus algorithm that's written in the code base. Yeah. And anyone who would try to hurt the network would have to put out all of this power, right, mm -hmm. to try to reverse it, right? That's expensive, as you're attuning to. Um, so, you know, it, it becomes, it's the game theory of, hey, is it worth it for me to apply this much computer processing power, right, to hurt the network, mm -hmm. or if I have this much power anyway, should I just contribute and make my profits? Yeah, and, and, and then the next piece of innovation that needs to be driven off of that is power consumption. How do we how do we eliminate, limit, or reduce power consumption? So essentially the cooling the cooling requirement. And that is the that is the largest driver of Moore's law, right? Is is as as the processing power um, doubles every doubles every, months. every yeah every eighteen months. That's what the um, general right that's the general is. rule of Moore's law. The the heat uh, dissipation has to uh, has to increase as well, yeah. and so cooling cooling is a big energy consumer. It's like multiple factors. Mining is a cool topic. We should probably go deeper on it one show. Yeah, but you, you can tell it's a really powerful network effect, uh, and it's number four on our list. So um, so then number five, probably spend a good bit of time on the first few. Number five is software develop uh, developers, and. Basically, what, what he was saying, and Spencer, you're 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 I am a software exactly. So you should be able to speak to this a little more than me. But it sounded like uh, the, what he was describing was that you know the software developers they're going to want to build on the most secure protocol. The larger this thing gets, the more secure it gets. Just like you said with the the, the hash rate, the hashing power, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The larger that gets, the more secure it is. So the more secure the protocol is. Yeah, it's working working for a, a company that's in kind of a, a nice has a very like fast growth trajectory right now. I can say that uh, scaling up software is difficult, and to be able to scale up software uh, across a globe in a decentralized way, uh, meaning like these people aren't in the same room together, right? Necessarily, right? These people are different time zones. Coming home from their day jobs, hopping online and submitting code because they believe in this. And you have arguably, you know, I hear there's 400 active developers contributing to Bitcoin Core. Um, you know, and that's, and those aren't just like developers, like you throw developers at a problem. Like these are world-class, like 
yeah. people who are well known and have very crazy projects and come from really incredible, you know, entrepreneurial backgrounds and have been very wildly successful in the IT space. So, like, and you were exactly right before, um, you know, if you're going to work on a base layer protocol, you're going to want to work on one that doesn't have bugs, right? That is safe and secure, that is the most valued, uh, the one that is, you know, got the most network effects moving for positively for it. Right. Um, it's got the most support. It's got the most support. Like, yeah. and you know, if you got the most support with your software, like that's a really great competitive advantage. So that's one of the reasons why I think he put software developers on there. It's a, that's a good, that's a great perspective from you on that. So number, number six is the, is, um, the last of the first six we're going to talk about and, that's financiers and by financiers we're talking about like the Wall Street money the the new the new financial instruments for adding value or creating value or creating investment and that would be like your um, your futures trading definitely your, CFTC yeah, yeah exactly your um, CBOE like yeah, the options, options trading. Options trading. Exactly. So futures and options coming in is, is a huge financial instrument. And then also uh, uh, trading on margin, which um, I don't believe you're allowed to trade on margin in the United States anymore. I think, I think that, got, that got banned. So right now, uh, I think the only way you can trade on margin is if you have... It's either, <laughs> either you have an overseas account or you're not based in the United States, which is the legal way to do it. So, anyway, um, those are those are kind of the new financiers and financial um, and, you know financial instruments that he was talking about. And I guess that leaves us with our, our well, last. Well, I want to dig a little deeper into yeah. financiers if we can. Yeah. Um, I, I there's definitely some things I. Blending with the number five, right, our software developer network effect, and then with uh, number six, these financiers, I think what you're going to start to see is because you have this concept of these cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin being inherently uh, uh, programmable, right? It's literally programmable value. So I don't think we've really even hit, like, I don't even think we've, we've hit the very, like, early, early stages of these new instruments, this new like way of thinking about programmable money. And uh, maybe we'll cover this on another show. There's something called the liquid network, which could really disrupt the way exchanges transfer value be- between each other. But yeah. more on that in another episode. Yeah, I think the li- liquid network falls more into that like software developer aspect. I think the financiers is, is kind of, and maybe he means this in a different way, but then I took it. But I think the financier piece and the financial instruments means like the, the traditional financial instruments where the old money comes in and starts to utilize their uh, their typical yeah. financial instruments that we're seeing now. It's true. Right? The futures and the options. And eventually they'll, they'll bring back margins trading when they understand how to make it, make it a little less... Uh, Disadvantage for somebody that's going in and is going to get wrecked that doesn't know what they're doing because you can get absolutely fucked over with margins trading, which is why I, 
hey, if you're operating on a decentralized exchange, on a decentralized network, on a decentralized value protocol, uh, you're not going to be able to be regulating. You can do whatever you want. You can lose your own Bitcoin in ways that you could never think of. <laughs> like, yeah. So be careful out there, cyber chefs. Yeah, for sure. All right. The pinnacle. Yeah. Take it away, dude. So the last network effect that he talks about, and this is kind of the end-all, be-all of all these network effects and kind of the, uh, the final stage, and that is uh, the world reserve currency. And that's really, that will only occur when you have, it, you have worldwide adoption or at least worldwide use. Mm-hmm. And we, we have worldwide use but not in, not in all of these network effects, right? You need, a, you need consumers actively utilizing, uh, actively utilizing the currency across borders, right? Being able to go from one, one country to another, knowing that, hey, if I have Bitcoins in my, in, in my cyber wallet, you know, I'll be able to spend it when I go to Spain on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, which really, there's nothing. There's nothing like that right now, right? So if I went from the U.S. to Spain, I'd have to convert to uh, to Spain's currency. Actually, euro probably. Yeah, that's true. I guess maybe maybe the euro. I'm not sure what their yeah. national currency is, but yeah, euro. They're part of the European Union. Yeah, so. so yeah, so it's the Spanish currency, um, the euro. So I think where you may be getting at with the world reserve currency mm-hmm. is um, how today the U.S. dollar is treated as the world reserve currency, meaning that uh, the way that all the net, all the uh, business is conducted, and as you know, the foreign exchange. It's uh, good point. Yeah, pieces. All of that is based on a value of a USD, right? And I think what he's kind of alluding to here is what happens when China starts paying U.S. in Bitcoin? What happens when, you know, there's these large uh, uh, country-to-country settlements, settlements yeah. that, are, that are occurring? Uh, or, you know, moving money into a certain zone uh, and just, oh gosh, like... And you have a non-state-owned... Reserve of currency. That's that's kind of the decentralized decentralized model. Because right now the U.S. and granted being U.S. citizen, we've got we've got to love this to a certain degree. The U.S. is the the world reserve currency in order to you know make massive moves in in, in monetary value. A lot of times they flow through the U.S. Uh, U.S. you know trade centers. Right. But um, and and. and yeah, you know, maybe I, I can be corrected on that, or, or somebody out there will correct me on that. I'm statement, not going to correct you. <laughs> but the the world world reserve currency that he's talking about is one that is fully fleshed out, decentralized, and able to, to scale up to meet yeah, those needs. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah, you're exactly right. So, yeah, that's uh that is Trace Mayer's um, you know seven network effects. I hope we, uh, we we've expanded on them quite a bit from his I think like seven minute video. Yeah, but it's a you know it makes me very long term uh, you know interested and want to stay involved in in the space because uh, I, I find it really interesting because it has it it affects a lot of different uh, parts of the world so it's kind of yeah. fun. 
So, uh, yeah, you want to take us away with the, uh, the life hack, how we finish every show? Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the life hack. I think this one may be a little less useful than some of the other ones we've had, although, I don't know, buying your, <laughs> buying your U.S. citizenship may be more useful to some, to few than others. Um, but waterproofing your shoes. You ever want just like kind of a, a, a cheap way to waterproof your shoes? Um, beeswax is actually very easy to waterproof canvas shoes. And so what you do is basically you'll, you'll spread the beeswax over your shoes, take a blow dryer, melt the uh, beeswax until you can no longer see it in your shoes. It'll cool, it'll cool within the canvas and boom, it's sealed up those, you know, those small holes that you normally have in the canvas, uh, canvas layered shoes. Hmm. And makes the shoe waterproof. Dude, one more reason why I like these. One more reason. There you go, man. <laughs> Not to mention the honey is delicious. And we're, and we're two yellow jackets. That's true. <laughs> That's true. They're, they're, they're long lost cousins, so. All right, uh, miss you, Marshall. We'll have you on the next one. And uh, that's, that's all for us. It's Cooking with Crypto show. You can find us on uh, YouTube, Instagram, Cooking with Crypto. Uh, we have a, we're starting to get more involved on Twitter, and uh, we'll be reaching out to you soon uh, for new interviews and new content. So stay tuned for that. Check out our website, cookingwithcrypto.com. Uh, we're, we're posting more, on, more and more on it every day. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. Keep the burners going, Cyber Chefs. Ooh, a new one. Yeah. See you all See later. You. Adios.